Welcome one and all to episode 58 of the Scum and Villainy Podcast, a weekly Star Wars podcast where we break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news. I am your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat, it's Noah to George. Hey, guess what I'm wearing? Guess what you're wearing? Let me see. Am I, is it supposed to be a surprise? It's the Wesselmania shirt. It's the Star Wars <laughs> Celebration Attack of the Clones 20th Anniversary Wesselmania shirt that you bought for me. I bought it for you. Wow, what a, what a nice guy I am. <laughs> I, I will say, I, I wanted to send you a video reaction. Uh, I probably spent an hour trying to get uh trying to like chop up a five minute video into enough <laughs> clips to send over twitter because yeah. i was like well i can't send it over text that's just not gonna do but it exists and out there a it's, reaction it's video. out there okay. it's on my phone it's just because i was like this is five minutes worth of stuff that you sent me yeah i so, um well you didn't have the 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 availability to attend star wars celebration with me so i wanted to get you some cool swag and cool stuff and are you are you going to share with the class some of the some of the highlights yeah. Like some of your favorites. Absolutely. We talked about it a little bit, uh, but my favorite by far is the uh, really, really awesome Bad Batch poster, the oh, Bad yeah. Batch art. Uh, super, super cool. It's totally. definitely getting... Well, cause yeah. you had to be in the panel to to get one of those, and they gave you like a what? ticket. And if you weren't at the panel, you couldn't get one. Obviously, you were not at the panel, so I just... Uh, just keep it between you and me, viewers, okay? Don't don't let Star Wars Celebration know. But um, I was I was just... I just lied. <laughs> I just said, <laughs> I, I said that, that you were with me, but you had to go to a different thing, and you just weren't in line, so I was grabbing one for you. And the, it was funny. I said like hey don't say anything because you know don't want to get me in trouble but the person seemed like they could not care less <laughs> i was like hey the other guy that was in the panel he couldn't come so is it possible and before i even finished it he was like here like he just didn't give yeah. a shit that, he was like here you go me, man <laughs> uh, today i went and picked up dinner before we came back and watched kenobi and i i picked up moe's um Welcome and i Mo's. like yeah, I placed uh, I placed an, like an online order for myself, and then Rachel placed one separately. And gotcha. the lady, like when I when I went in to pick them up, I was like, "Yeah, actually," she was like, "Mobile order for for Noah," and I was like, "Oh yeah, both of those actually." Um, and she like didn't even she didn't even bat an eye like she just gave me the other bag that was for Rachel but I could have walked in there and been like can I have that other one too and she's like yeah Maybe, sure whatever mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> I don't get paid enough to care about this absolutely uh, but yeah so uh, you got the Wesselmania shirt which I was a, a big fan of definitely my uh, favorite definitely also, and it fits very well yeah so. I see I got a couple of shirts as well I got the uh, Dexter's Diner shirt the one that I was searching high and low for but it was your shocker wasn't the yeah. most popular shirt there uh got that one the ringer tee and then i got the attack of the clones 20th anniversary ringer tee which was a bit harder to find in my size i really had to search for that one but i found it in my size and then um got a couple of other cool things anything else uh cool that you got in the bag well one thing that you got for me which i i wonder if you went and sought this out was the uh the lego wicket on a keychain um and yeah. that and I can tell from the tag on it that it is an original like not mm-hmm. original, but like it's one of the older like t- like late 2000s. Yeah. Um, so like the Lego the, figure. The story behind that one was as I was just looking around uh, at, uh, you know, the, the booths that they have. And I was I had a list of s- some things that I was wanting to get. Uh, and uh, out of that list, by the way, I think I got exactly one thing <laughs> out wow. of a list of like 15 things that I wanted aside from like celebration exclusive stuff just is like general kind of star Wars merch stuff. Yeah. Um, but they had, uh, 
I'm on, I've been on the hunt for some specific Lego minifigures from like a specific scene in Star Wars. And, uh, so I was looking through those. I did find like a Bosk minifig, which I thought was pretty cool. But then they had, it was literally just like a box of loose Lego minifigs. Most of them were kind of junk anyway, but I did see the keychain and I knew you were a big, uh, big wicket guy. So I went I'm a just, huge wicket guy. I just went, uh, guy. went and snagged that. So and what's, got, what's funny about that one is I had the exact same one. Um, for mm. a very long time, and he got lost in a move or something. Now he's back. Um, with and vengeance. now he's back. He's rejoined <laughs> the group. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm, so very I'm, lovely. I'm very appreciative. And I got to talk to your mom for a little bit, which is always a nice time. Yes. Uh, shout out to Michelle for uh, dropping that off to you because I was just going to like ship it to you, but uh, I had family come over for Disney, which is uh, I recorded. Uh, uh, I mean, we always record remotely, but I was extra remote. I was yeah. in, I was in a bathroom with so like comforters hung around the showers to try to block out that echo. But we are back um, here, and I'm in my apartment in our comfortable setting, um, and I'm I don't sound super tired. <laughs> Last week, I'm like listening to the playback, and I'm like, oh boy, Garrett, you sound like you're about to take a nap. But um, I do have a few things to show off because I did get to go to Galaxy's Edge for the very first time. But I will hold those uh, till mm-hmm. we eventually have our. Uh, galaxy's edge kind of discussion conversation slash review whatever we're going to call it it'll it'll happen yes yeah it'll happen uh post kenobi so probably two or three four weeks from now um we'll have a discussion on that and i got some good stuff that i'm excited to share uh but in the meantime noah you and i have got some kenobi to break down uh that's right we are going to be talking about episode five or part five of obi-wan kenobi uh the episode dropped late last night early this morning um, I rushed home. I was, I was out last night and I was like, Oh, it's 1130. I gotta go. <laughs> just like <laughs> Sped home and just, you know, uh, ran into my living room and, uh, my, my roommate Alex had work in the morning. So he was, he was tucked away in bed, uh, counting sheep. And I, I went and got my, the, the headphones that I'm wearing right now. And I, I did the private listening on my phone so I could mm-hmm. like listen to the TV through my headphones. And I was just sitting there on the edge of my seat, just like, uh, Kenobi, uh, uh. <laughs> I know I, when I was eating dinner, like I, the whole time we, like I said, we had Moe's and yeah. I was resisting the urge to be like, Rachel, stop eating those tortilla chips. I can't hear it. <laughs> yeah. Like we're just like enjoying dinner. You know, there's a tense scene or whatever. And it's, it's like, like, shut up. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, we're, we're trying to eat dinner. Like this is not, you yeah. know, it makes sense. But. Yeah. I, I, I won't spoil it here. And I also, I don't have it with me because I, I left it at the hotel. And so my family is actually shipping it to me because I left it. But I have a new friend who will now be joining me as a ritualistic kind of when a new Disney plus show is going to come out this friend will be with me when i when i view the show so very excited to be talking about that um it, it's it's not like galaxy's edge related but i do i did end up getting that starbucks line i got the octo mug because they, oh, ha- they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. had a bunch of those at disney and i'm for, from what i'm aware i thought that they were sold out online but they literally had a wall of them at disney at two separate stores at a starbucks that they had at disney in, in california adventure and then one um, and, and kind of Tomorrowland where like Star Tours is and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So we'll definitely talk about all that kind of stuff because there's also beyond Galaxy's Edge, there's also like a new updated Star Tours. And I have a very fun detail about that that is uh, kind of unique to me, which was very interesting. Yay, we get uh, to talk about Star Tours again. Yeah, Yay. but it's different, <laughs> but it's different, but it's different. So okay. uh, before we get all to that, Noah, 
Obi-Wan Kenobi part five. You and I are going to be doing some spoiler free thoughts and then diving full on into our spoiler filled thoughts. And there are lots of things to discuss today. But before we get to that, let's get some general thoughts out of the way. Noah, what did you think generally of generally of Obi-Wan Kenobi? I think general thoughts uh, about general Kenobi. Mm -hmm. Um, Wow. There's a lot of payoff. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one of those things where I think um, one of the things that I noticed most of all is kind of the, I guess the metaphorical lens feels very much dialed in to a very specific thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not as wide as we've seen. The scope is not as wide. The, uh, the way that the episode moves is, you know, somewhat linear mm-hmm. and it feels very focused and feels very specific, mm-hmm. um, which is, I will say, it's different for a penultimate episode um, because every Disney Plus series, not just Star Wars, but every Disney Plus series, the penultimate episode has more or less been a letdown. Um and th- I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it has been one of those things where it's like, okay, this is the second to last one. And what are we going to get? Um, and I'll share this because I don't care who roasts me, you know, uh, in their own opinion. But yeah, uh, I never finished Moon Knight after watching the the second to last episode because mm-hmm. I was like, eh, that episode was kind of a bummer. It was just not very... It, like it suffered from the same syndrome that a lot of these Disney Plus series uh, have suffered from, and I feel a little bit the same way about the Book of Boba Fett, and I feel a little bit the same way about uh, the Mandalorian, and uh, I feel like this has this has kind of taken a different approach to where I went into it knowing that this is the second to last episode, but coming out of it felt like I was ramped up in a way that you know wasn't the same as like, well, I guess we've just got one more left after this. It was, oh my God, like, how is this going to, how is this going to wrap up? How's this going to finish? That's not a feeling that I've been left with, um, with, with stuff like the Mandalorian, especially. Um, so that to me stood out a lot. And then, you know, kind of just general overview, like I said, lots of really good payoff. Um, this, episode specifically is going to be incredibly satisfying on a rewatch. Um, as, you know, and and every episode before it will be re- will be more satisfying on a rewatch because of this episode specifically knowing what happens and go in and getting back to it. So yeah. that was something that I was kind of realizing and and had on my mind the entire way throughout, and just made everything a lot a lot cooler. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting looking at some of the other Disney Plus Star Wars shows and um that's a conversation that we no doubt will have. I I think you and I are looking forward to going back and talking about the prior seasons of the Mandalorian, especially before the the release of the new season uh, and kind of uh, taking a look back, but then also kind of seeing it in the context of everything. And, you know, especially that first season of Mandalorian, it was like, okay, let's see what you got. You know, let's star Wars on TV, you know, for real with live action, like, let's kind of see what you got there. So I'm definitely curious to be looking back on those. Um, But before we get there, I will say about this episode is just like, like you had said, just wow, you know, this Mm -hmm. to me, really uh, beyond the payoff and some of the quote unquote kind of fan moments and, and, and all those kind of things. This to me is like such a well distilled version of like one of the many reasons why I love star Wars. And this episode to me contains a lot of those things and that 
to me, if, if I was to say, if somebody was to ask me like, well, what, what is star Wars, you know, and I was to give kind of my general kind of thesis statement of what star Wars is. A lot of the ideas that I would list off can be found in this episode, because not only does this episode have that fun, exciting, exhilarating, whiz bang adventure and all the pew pew pews and the lightsabers and the action, the force, and it's mystical and all those kind of things. But there are also those deeply explored ideas and, and themes that we find throughout all of Star Wars of the the battle between hope and the d- d- despair and, and fear and, and, and light, you know, and all those kind of dark side, light side ideas that we explore and lots of other, I would argue, probably all Star Wars material. They're really thoroughly explored here. And like you said, there are a lot of moments of payoff for character. Uh, and, and, and answering some of these questions that, you know, begrudgingly against fans will have been kind of held off until this mm-hmm. point. And even some things and some scenes and moments that fans had been expecting to see uh, that we haven't seen, uh, we do get some of those moments here. And, and, and I usually uh, kind of wince at that idea of like giving fans what they want, but I do really admire this show that it keeps a lot of that kind of stuff to its chest and, and holds on to it for a while. And it isn't until it makes sense for the story that it's implemented or those questions are revealed or those kind of cheer moment, fan moment kind of scenes are you know, granted to us. So in all of that, I just was so blown away by this episode. It's completely exhilarating, but it's also very emotional and exciting and kind of just everything that I, I want Star Wars to be. And for this to be what leads up to the finale, I'm just kind of like, well, geez, what are we going to get in the finale? Like, my God, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. like if this isn't the finale, like what, it, what is that going to look like? So, uh, it made me look, you know, forward to, uh, next week, even though it's like kind of bittersweet, it's like, ah, oh, it's the last episode, but it's like, what's well, the last episode, you know, like, what are we, <laughs> what are we going to get in this? And, and whether or not it'll be the, the last episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi ever, are we going to get another season? Who's, you know, who, who knows, but judging by how how well this show has done i can expect that we are probably going to see kenobi don those jedi robes again and if the quality of this show is a testament of what's to come then you know sign me up because i just i really loved this whole season and like you said this episode is just going to make us look back on things even fondly uh, even more fondly and this is really going to be one of those shows that i think is just going to reward repeat viewings and that when you go back and watch those earlier episodes those questions or fan expectations are going to bleed away you know, or the, oh, I, you know, I thought that moment between Obi-Wan and Vader when they first meet, I thought it would have played out this, this other way. Now for fans who maybe felt those initial kind of feelings going back and watching that, or, you know, in this, in this episode as well, those expectations are going to go away, man. And you're just going to be able to engage with the story and enjoy the story and, and go on this wild ride. And I, I can't wait to rewatch all of it. There's, I think there was like kind of a rumor that this entire series is going to go to theaters, like very limited. Theaters, like for yes. like very briefly, which I think it amounts to like five to six hours or something like that. And I'm like, hey, well, shit, if I got a Wednesday afternoon, like, fuck, I'll, go. <laughs> like yeah. I'll, I'll go sit in the theater and watch all of Kenobi. Why not? But yeah, this episode is definitely um, a highlight for me. It's tough to say whether it's my favorite episode or not, because it's it's, you know, it's the most fresh one. It's it's kind of be like, oh, that's my favorite. And then next one comes out. Oh, no, that's my favorite. You know, I just right. I, I'm all that to say. I've just I've really enjoyed this series and this episode in particular is such a highlight for me i i will say um kind of i guess hands down um 
this is the one that got the most that, that elicited the most reaction out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, especially at the beginning, you know, I was like, Oh my gosh, no way. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. You know, yeah. but this one, especially, um, in terms of story beats, yeah. not just, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm seeing this, you know, for the first time in so long, Yeah, because that's a different reaction totally. than, totally. than a, a storyteller being able to tell a story that makes you audibly go, what? You yeah. know, yeah. Um, not that not that there were things that I like wasn't expecting or whatever, just the way that certain things played out. I was like, no way. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a very strong sign of, you know, mm-hmm. of a good episode. So for me, it's it's close to it, it could be my favorite. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. I'm very excited to be diving on into this. But before we get there, Noah, we've got some thumbs to put up or down. Yeah, We do. Where are your thumbs at? Where are they located? Where are they pointing? Well, I, if I'm if I'm going by relativity, last week I had two thumbs up, but they were nowhere near explosive. <laughs> they were just like the little BB-8 thumbs yeah. up in Force Awakens. Okay, um, little lighters. Yes, I think this this week's episode, two thumbs up. There are pyrotechnics. Hell yeah, it is, they're blowing up. It's like <laughs> I I literally like stood up and like had to take a breath afterwards. I was like, Oh my word. Like I just sat in that for a while. Just the whole thing was insane to me. And I'm not trying to be like, this is the craziest shit I've ever seen. Yeah. I just was so happy with all of it. So thrilled. Yeah. You know? it, it, it's something that, you know, I, when this episode was over, I literally was like kind of giddy. I was like, yeah, I kept, I kept yeah. just like saying, I was like, I can't believe I just saw that, you know, like I can't believe that I just, I just got that. And it's, you know, this is a series that I've been looking forward to for so, so long. And the fact that it's not only like delivering on what I like hoped this series would be, but it's also subverting a lot of my expectations, yeah. which is more than welcome because I think it would be unfortunate to watch the series and be like, oh, it's playing out exactly how I anticipated it. <laughs> yeah. There are some moments here in there that you know i i we had kind of called as well as a lot of people had called early on but i i don't think it compromised for me it wasn't a moment where i was like yeah oh, yeah yeah kind of called that it wasn't it wasn't like that and i'm excited to explore those ideas so for yeah this the, to me you know like you know you go you ever been to like a benihana where they light the the onions on fire like the onion volcano yeah those, those yeah. are two of my thumbs i got two this, onion yeah. volcano thumbs so they're they're more than just uh you know a big lighter they're yeah. a little bit more flashy but exactly. they're not they're not quite you know blowing up in the chef's face you know oh, well not yeah it's it's nowhere near like yeah, there are some things that we'll we'll discuss in this just mm-hmm. as far as the TV of it all and, you know, kind yes. of the limited uh, uh, kind of what you can what you can get in that. And then the show is also made during the pandemic. So we'll explore all of those kind of things. But just uh, not to say anything um, negative about this, because I just had such a, a fun experience watching this. And if I could go to the theater just to watch this episode. Yeah, that's fine. I, I'd, I'd, pay, <laughs> I'd, I'd pay that ticket. Uh, but Noah, starting off this episode, boy, does it start off with a bang. Uh, the episode begins with a flashback scene where we see Jedi Knight Obi-Wan Kenobi rocking that Attack of the Clones mullet, uh, meeting with his Padawan, Anakin Skywalker, with the rat tail and his Attack of the Clones look. It seems like it's maybe pre-Attack of the Clones because uh, they've still got those lightsabers there. Uh, meeting for a lightsaber sparring session. Uh, Kenobi asks if Skywalker is he is ready if he is ready before the two clash. I was just like that whole scene for me 
it was, was one of those things where like, much like the first episode, you just began on Coruscant and I was just like, oh, no, like, no, yeah. I, they're <laughs> yeah. not going to do this. And then they did. And it's, you know, it's something that fans had been kind of hoping for and crossing our fingers for is that we would see prequel era, specifically Clone Wars era, but, you know, prequel nonetheless era, Anakin and Obi-Wan in some sort of a flashback. So now that we finally got that moment, did it live up to your expectations or what you were hoping to see if we were to see a moment like this? I do think, well, I'll be the first to say, okay, hands in the air, I was wrong, okay? <laughs> uh, my prediction was false. Kind of. I'm kind of wrong, yeah. Like, really, though, five episodes in, like, yeah. They, that's, they, yeah. they were really, really holding it off, mm -hmm. but I will admit that I was wrong, and I'm happy to admit that I was wrong, because mm -hmm. you're right, I, immediately I was like, no way, like, yeah. oh my gosh. Um, and I do think that this delivers in a way that, like you said before, this is something that we were expecting. This is something that we were looking forward to. Mm -hmm. And it delivers in a way that has to make sense. If yeah. this, you know, imagine, imagine we got this um, at the beginning of the show in the place that Obi-Wan is, it would yeah. be so contradictory, mm -hmm. you know, um, having it now, especially intercut with certain things as we'll talk about, um, makes it mean something more than just look, it's Anakin, you yeah. know, look, yeah. it's, it's, you know, this, this holds so much meaning and maybe that's not, you know, maybe that's not as subtle as some people want. Maybe it's a little bit like, yeah, like, do you get it? Do you mm -hmm. get it? Mm -hmm. Um, which is fine because that's good storytelling. Um, so yeah. very, very pleased with how it was, uh, had to pause the episode, uh, to have an argument about whether or not Anakin was hotter in Attack of the Clones or in this. <laughs> um, I posit that this one, he's looking really good. So that's just yeah. me. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I do want to like kind of address the elephant in the room as far as I don't see, I don't, I mean, I, I haven't been on Twitter much. I've, I've kind of been at work today, but I could see some people maybe kind of not being super thrilled with some of the effects in this um, and maybe for one, maybe preferring some kind of Clone Wars Anakin, Clone Wars Obi-Wan, seeing those yeah. those uniforms in live action or seeing uh, Anakin with the full-blown Revenge of the Sith mullet and, and all those kind of things. And, and the, the effects of the de-aging, how that looks, is it completely photoreal, all of those kind of things. None of what none of which really affected me. You know, I, I'm kind of more speaking on the behalf of a lot of other fans and how just kind of in, in hearing what fans were wanting, just kind of assuming, you know, it's it's funny that we live in an era now where I watch Star Wars and I, I less engage with my own thoughts and feelings and more. I'm just like, huh, what are fans going to think about this? What are you are you guys going to get mad at this thing? Um, and I could see this, you know, even though it is delivering on those things, I could see it falling short a little bit for some people didn't fall short for me all that to be said um, because I understand the reality of this show and does it look completely like Hayden Christensen from Attack of the Clones and does Ian McGregor look exactly like he looked like uh, in Attack of the Clones? No, of course not because this is a television show. Resources are limited. Did they de-age them? Yeah, probably. Um, mm -hmm. But this is a show that doesn't have a feature length budget. And I don't know if you've noticed, there are a lot of other things in the show that look pretty darn expensive. Um, <laughs> so this moment, I thought for what it's trying to say and communicate and the, the emotions of the characters was far more important uh, than the, the visual effects. But I could understand if some people are just maybe a bit distracted by that. And so those emotional moments didn't, uh, did kind of fall short. But for me, the the idea that this relationship would be kind of the essentially the framework of this episode and that the kind of the 
the bones of this episode that mm-hmm. everything kind of continues to go back to that and talk about this relationship between Obi-Wan. Not only is that really fascinating in regards to, okay, how is Kenobi going to escape this situation and how is he going to use his unique experience with Anakin to perhaps outsmart him? But it's also this really brilliant, like I said, kind of summation of the battle between light and dark and how dark only seeds uh, uh, seeds to dominate and to to squash other others in their past and as obi-wan says just this desire to win that you kind of sacrifice other things or you maybe don't think through the the situation because you're so blinded by your own rage and in this like almost kind of short film it really encapsulates a lot of the big ideas that the series is dealing with not only in regards to that and okay how are you going to use your emotions to propel you forward are you going to use your own fear and uh, uh guilt to dominate your your you know your uh, your destiny going forward are you going to use anger and are you going to be blind completely to rage and to vengeance like we see with reva as well as as vader in the series but also this idea of perseverance and 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 protecting the light and and continuing that going forward. Um, and not only is it in relation to that, but also this unique relationship between Obi Wan and Anakin, and how he is able to kind of use this against him and and continue to survive uh, uh, despite Vader completely, as Obi Wan says, the, the Empire is outnumbering us. They're they're far more trained, and how can we use these alternatives to fight? And it was really just fantastic to see not only from like a fans quote unquote kind of fan servicey kind of thing or a cheer worthy moment, but something that is very specifically integral and, and relates specifically to this episode. I thought it was emotionally completely fulfilling and it was just, I was giddy from the, from the get, you know, <laughs> Kenobi yeah. asks uh, Anakin if he's ready and I'm like, yeah, I am, <laughs> I am ready. <laughs> yeah. No, there's, just- there's definitely something to be said about the, larger implications. I think that this is something that um, really does fit into the larger picture, mm-hmm. um, the larger thematic picture that that Star Wars has painted that maybe some of the series say, yeah, we'll we'll tickle that every once in a while. You know, we'll we'll think about it every once in a while. But this is one of those things that just full bore yeah. like, you know, here's here's how this kind of thing plays out. Um, mm-hmm. here's what the, you know, here's what this looks like in the rest of this media. Yeah. Um, and you know, especially some of the lines that come from these scenes with, you know, you know, with Anakin and Obi-Wan together, some of the lines are like, yeah, that immediately makes me think of Rose's line from the last Jedi or yeah. immediately makes me think of, you know, th- these other, th- these other things in other parts of star Wars. And we talked about it a little bit ago, like that's a good thing if, mm-hmm. if it's reminiscent of, if it's, if it's directly referencing, if it's, yeah. you know, if it's saying like, Hey, these things are pretty much all encompassing. You're not going to watch Star Wars, Star Wars without seeing this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it was really, really lovely, you know? Yeah. And it's also this, like, it's great to see Hayden have this opportunity to show Anakin's dark side in kind of a different way 
and in a way that's similar to his moment in Attack of the Clones where he's talking to Padme and he's essentially just arguing for a dictatorship and he's yeah. like, well, somebody yeah. should make him do it. I don't know. Maybe me, maybe somebody else, you know, and you kind <laughs> of, you don't see him like outwardly angry or in the same kind of foreshadowing that you see later on in the film where he kills the Tusken Raiders and he admits to killing women and children and he's, you know, that kind of rage is easy to see how that could lead to Darth Vader, but in small moments like this, it's interesting to see that kind of foreshadowing and and this person that would eventually become Vader. And I also I, I wanted to hit on that uh, this kind of again, I, I kind of refer to it as like a little mini short film, you know, mm-hmm. and the fact that this also and the way that it's implemented is, again, kind of reinforcing the ideas of the show or how are you going to use your past, you know, with Vader? obviously throughout this episode when we'll go back to that he is completely blinded by his rage is is unable to see past it to get what he wants to where obi-wan is able to use the past and inform his decision going forward uh whereas anakin is completely blinded by his past and that's kind of obi-wan's journey that he goes on throughout this show you know to where he excuse me he starts out with this show just inactive unable to move unable to act because of his past and now that he can use his past to propel him forward i was i again i respect deborah chow and company to keep this so close to their chest and keep those cards close until they're ready to use them but when they use it i I found it incredibly effective so yeah you could poke fun at the or say the effects don't really work but i'm just i'm i'm kind of not as interested in that i'm a prequel era kid yeah most of those movies have effects that don't look amazing you know but i've been able to look past those moments as well as moments in the original trilogy to be frank you know yeah i have seen i have seen a couple things about it recently that are like what you know people watching obi-wan they're like what is this stunt choreography what are these effects yeah and uh a guy was reacting to one of those and he was like this is the same series where when you shoot a control panel with a blaster it does yeah. exactly what it what you want it to do yeah uh you know this is this is the same series that does yeah. this and this and this why are you complaining about this guys yeah. all that to so, say though like the there's a lot of like prequel spinning and anakin does his little anakin spin the, thing behind the, the fight back that and, they yeah. do is i was like this is so ripped straight from not ripped straight from but it's like yeah this is the the spar that like clearly led to their fight on Mustafar. You can see yeah. it, you know, yeah. you can clearly see it. Yeah. And I'm, I just can't wait to see that Disney gallery episode of this <sighs> to where they're just like, you see Anakin and his, the prequel garb and everything, whether or not we're going to get more, uh, is fine with me. I'm just glad it wasn't like a back to flashback. Like everybody was anticipating. Cause yeah. I love the way that it was implemented, but, uh, let's move on. Cause, uh, this isn't the only flashback scene that we get throughout the episode. So back in the present, uh, Reva is ushered aboard the bridge of the Imperial Star Destroyer, the Devastator. Uh, Vader demands to know where Kenobi is, and Reva reports that they have tracked Kenobi down to Jabim. Uh, Vader expresses satisfaction before ordering her to kneel, promoting her to the rank of the Grand Inquisitor before setting course for Jabim. Uh, really loved this moment with Vader and very Empire Strikes Back inspired and uh, and also reminded me of Return of the Jedi Vader as well to where uh, he's talking to Moff Gerard and he says, you may dispense yeah. with, the, the, with the pleasantries. Like uh, I loved seeing those kind of, uh, you know, the, the, that foreshadowing of, of what's to come and the Vader that we're all more familiar with seeing shades of that early on. Well, we talked about how, you know, it's, it was almost natural to assume that we might get some 
Emperor Palpatine in this. Yeah. But like you true. said, this is very this is very Empire Strikes Back in the way that it's it mirrors that very well. Yeah. Of of Darth Vader being the one that's in control. And that's the thing is telling the story with an adversary to Obi-Wan's character mm-hmm. is showing that that Vader really is the force to be reckoned with. He's not yeah. just the, you know, oh, he's a bad guy, but apparently there's a bigger one. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not just him being a puppet. Um, you know, he is the one that's that's really laying down the law and putting his fist yeah. down and you know, it shows that very well to mirror that, which is, you know, not to say that it downplays it in any way to show that, you know, oh, there there is somebody in the background or whatever. Yeah. That's clearly not important here. You know, it's yeah. not it's not a concern here, which I really love because that made me think of that. I was like, he's kind of assuming that role mm-hmm. and that works if we're being told that Vader is in his prime right now, you know? Yeah. It's interesting because it does really, it makes sense canonically to have Palpatine be in this because Palpatine, I could see him wanting Vader to pursue this, to, to kind of play to his advantage. But I do like the idea that having Palpatine in this, in a way, kind of subverts Vader being or lessens Vader being maybe as big of a menace as he is because if he is seen as the big bad and the ultimate villain and the person that you are the evil incarnate that you're running away from and we see him go through that village just massacring people I feel like Palpatine uh in, in his relationship with Vader makes Vader just a little bit more tragic and not sympathetic per se, but a little bit more of he's not in control and he has someone else who's completely pulling the strings. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get Palpatine, uh, in the, the finale in some regard, um, maybe towards the end of the episode where Vader kind of reports back to him or something like that. I, I could expect to see that, but I do like that up to this point. It's like, no, the buck stops at Vader, like especially when it's in, in you know, regards to the inquisitors. And if you read Charles soul's great Darth Vader comic that he just like hates the inquisitors yeah. and he's just like, these guys are so annoying and they suck and they're not well-trained. And we get to kind of see that play out later in this episode. So, uh, congratulations to Reva though, getting promoted to the rank of, Grand Inquisitor for about a few hours. <laughs> she got the badge. You she got, got it. the badge. Yeah, I need to get that enamel pin. That'd be a cool one to have. That'd be so sick. Uh, meanwhile, back on Jabim, we see Roken's freight transport descend into the planet's atmosphere and land on the path's base. Uh, Roken disembarks with Kenobi, Princess Leia, uh, Tala, Durith, and Sully. Uh, Kenobi is surprised to see Haja, who reveals that he fled the uh, the planet after the incident on Dayu, so Haja lives, he made it. Um, it was great to see him uh, back in this episode, but Kenobi speaks with Roken, uh, urging him that he needs to return Leia to Alderaan. Uh, Roken explains that the other people in the path base have been waiting for months. Uh, Roka explains that they have been planning to use an old trade route, but have been delayed uh, because of their attempts to rescue Leia. Uh, Kenobi promises to do what he can to help with Roken and tells the refugees to get ready to depart. Um, this scene and this moment right here, Noah, is really kind of moments that I can point to and just be like, yeah, that's Star Wars right there. Like that, if you kind of want just a snapshot or like a sticky note version of show me like a tactile example of the difference between light and dark, look at how the dark side treats their own in this series and, and how the light treats their own in this series and how people of the path 
are waiting and refusing to leave until this one girl who, yeah, is a princess and yeah, is, is of some importance in the galaxy, but they don't know the role that, that Leia will eventually take on. So I don't know about you, but this moment and the reveal that the path have been waiting for the return of Leia before they embark on their trip was just incredibly uh, impactful for me. I, I gotta, I gotta say it again. I just really, I hate having to bring this up because obviously we, you know, we're talking about Obi-Wan and how great it is. And, you know, knowing that this feels so much like other Star Wars, mm -hmm. God, it makes me so mad that people don't like The Last Jedi <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. I'm like watching this and I'm like, you guys, yeah. I mean, come it's the on. Same, yeah, I, I, I definitely understand that. It's just, I just like, it's, so it's many, kind of the same thing. <laughs> oh, so many not parts of way. it. Not in a bad way. Right. No, that's the thing. Yeah. So many parts of this are like, how do we portray, how do we portray a, a group of people that are under this oppression? How yeah. do we portray the oppressors and how do we portray the oppressed? Mm -hmm. And yes, you get different shades of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in the prequels, there's a little bit of... I mean, there's a little bit of like, quote unquote, racial, like mm -hmm. play to it. Mm -hmm. um, in, you know, in the original trilogy, there's a lot of industrialist and kind of nationalist play to it. Totally. Um, and in the sequel trilogy, it's still very much, you know, the the dynamic there is about inclusivity and about, you know, kind of the the welcoming of 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 people, the coming together of people and the strength in numbers. Yeah. And this is what we see here. Like totally. we're seeing so much of that and it's just bonkers to me that, yeah. that like it doesn't click for everybody. And I'm not trying to say it in like a way that makes me so mad, Yeah, but it's just like, this is good stuff. This is really yeah. juicy stuff. Well, I, I say that and I kind of, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, but it's less of like, oh man, Kenobi is just like the last Jedi. Why don't you, why do you guys like this and not like that? For me, it's more like, no, Kenobi is like pure Star Wars, yep. as is The Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah exactly, like, exactly. It is like the most, for me, personally, I know there's a lot of complicated feelings uh, for people on those films, and I'm I'm not dismissing those opinions, but from my perspective, spiritually, The Last Jedi is like the gospel of Star Wars, yeah. like yeah. In, in, you know, into a movie. I've heard a lots, of, lots of people say that like the, 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 prequel films are bad movies, but great star Wars. Um, and the sequel movies are bad star Wars, but good movies, which to me is just like makes zero sense, <laughs> <laughs> makes absolutely no sense. Uh, not only from like just a logic standpoint, but then also a star Wars standpoint. Anyway, tangents aside, yeah. um, I think that's all to say that if you dive deep enough into these series and even small moments like these are just kind of what could be seen as just throwaway lines of like okay well why are these people here they waited for leia okay great move on no it's like that's that's the that's it right there that's the reason that that spark that they talk about in the last jedi this is it and when you have those people coming together in the rise of skywalker and they're just people like it's moments like this that i point to and say how does that spark eventually 
you know, become this, this inferno and this, this, uh, large kind of fire here. So, uh, this was an incredibly powerful moment for me. And like I said, at the, at, up top here is that this episode to me spiritually deals with so many things that are like straight up the pillars of star Wars. Yeah. Um, yeah. so Noah, while Vader's uh, star destroyer travels through hyperspace, he issues orders to lock down the path space. Uh, Reva warns that if they trap them, their opponents can hold out for several days. Uh, Vader replies that he does not intend to break their enemies. Um, I don't know about you, but this and seeing Vader on the Star Destroyer uh, and seeing the volume in full effect and seeing the the hyperspace, you know, uh, reflecting on his helmet. I was just like seeing Vader in his element and also getting those kind of like Clone Wars, but also, you know, OT kind of melding of the two. I just I found just this simple kind of interaction just really really satisfying. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that you like, you can look at it and see it and it's so familiar, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you're like, I can't believe I'm seeing this right now. Yeah. Um, and it's as simple as a very small set with, with a, with a big led screen behind it. Yeah. You know, all it takes is that to be like, can, can you believe this right now? Like, yeah. This is just, it's the picture perfect image and it just yeah. looks like it's just so right there, you know? Yeah. And it's funny cause like a technology, like the volume and even the, the new kind of updated lightsabers that have been implemented since this, yeah. the sequel trilogy, it's just something where you're like, huh, we don't really get to see lightsabers used as light, like in reflecting off their face and seeing helmets with hyperspace reflecting off of it and seeing those reflective surfaces, you know, cause we have the technology to do that now. Uh, it's something that you're just like, huh, never really thought about that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now you do. Now it's everywhere. Now you do, and it totally uh, it sucked me in, Noah. It sucked me in. Uh, meanwhile, the ro- pro- uh, reprogrammed Lola hacks into the base's electoral systems, uh, sealing the hangar's roof. Uh, Kenobi notices uh, while they are trying to repair uh, this uh, opening hatch, he notices some writing on the wall stating that light will fade, but it is never forgotten. Uh, to me, that is something that once it was said, I was just kind of like, yeah, that's that's like a new, you know, like that's a new like put it on a bumper sticker kind yep. of Star Wars line. And then again, if you uh, I said a post it note earlier, let's even reduce it smaller to where like one of those little tabs that you put in a book that you know has like an, <laughs> has like an arrow on it. This to me is a, just a completely like. Tell me what Star Wars is in like seven words, you know, light will fade, yeah. but is never forgotten is like pure Star Wars to me. Not only that, but is like kind of the, the log line of this series. Like that's pretty much Kenobi's entire character arc just in seven words, you know? Well, and even past that, like we had, you know, we had a conversation about the, you know, what uh, Tala says to Obi-Wan and yeah. kind of their interaction and... That, you know, this this is the same thing. And we, again, like I said, we get the payoff of that later in this episode mm-hmm. that this is the same as, you know, it, it's the opposite side of Obi-Wan's struggle yeah. and where we've seen him be an episode one to where he is now. It, you're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, while uh, Kenobi is looking and reading uh, the this wall and also a box of lightsabers that I'm sure Alex Damon and others have paused and zoom in and enhance of like, okay, who's is that? Who's is that? Because I, I, I saw it and I was just like, oh, you guys have a field day with that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm even the even... writing on the wall too, I did pause because I thought I saw something that was reminiscent of like 
uh, Rex's little markings on his oh, on his helmet, but yeah. it, but it wasn't quite it. But I yeah. was like, there's there's enough there for YouTubers to have oh, just a, an absolute. 100%. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're diving into the deep thematic stuff. I'll let you guys translate the Orabesh. How about yes. that? <laughs> uh, while Kenobi is looking through these old, essentially kind of artifacts here, uh, he dons a new Jedi robe featuring a sleeveless version. Uh, shout out to Obi Wan Kenobi going sons out guns out for the summer looking nice <laughs> very very nice again the kind of the color shifting also i think is always important this is like a theme that's used in the sequel trilogy and kind of the the colors that luke chooses mm-hmm. but here as well um is and in the previous episode also is a very like intentional color scheme it's really really you know yeah. you know it, it shows that without even calling attention to it at all yeah, it's it's interesting because Star Wars usually has a lot of, you know, characters have different costumes. Leia looks different scene to scene. You know, she has a million different looks throughout the uh, the original trilogy and some could chalk it up to action figures. But to me, this is an example, not not certainly the first ever example. There are definitely some that precede this, but a really effective one nonetheless of how this aesthetic changing of the costume is directly tied to the themes and the journey that this character is going on throughout the series, because with each iteration of his costume and, and his, you know, look that he has, he's slowly becoming more and more of a Jedi and slowly kind of morphing into the Obi-Wan Kenobi that as audience members, we are more familiar with from, you know, Alec Guinness, but also the, the prequel trilogy as well. And that he dons this robe. And I'm curious to see what is going to be kind of the final look of Kenobi here. More so than that, I'm really anticipating maybe kind of breaking the seal on getting my first ever hot toy being Kenobi from the series. And I'm like, oh, which one are they going to pick? Is it like, <laughs> you know, is it is it whale gut, you know, fish market Kenobi? Or is it going to be like Barbie where I get like a bunch of different outfits? I'm, I'm very excited to see which Honestly, one they choose. Honestly, either way, I'm very, I'm very kind of happy. Me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am loving this uh, sleeveless robe uh, look here. It, it is kind of reminiscent of like kind of the mythos obi-wan where he's got like the clone wars armor on the backpack and everything because i believe he has like a a sleeveless version uh in that in that kind of a drawing comic but also like action figure but he looks terrific he looks terrific um as the hangar roof doors seal kenobi discusses the situation with tala who believes that reva has tracked them down to jabim Uh, kenobi believes that vader is leading the hunt and plans to attack the path's base rather than lay siege to them uh, when Roken asks how he knows Vader's next move, Kenobi experiences a flash a flashback of dueling with Skywalker in a training session. Uh, Skywalker aggressively advances on his master, prompting Kenobi to warn him that the Jedi's goal is to defend life rather than to kill. Just kind of, you know, if you needed more <laughs> kind of uh, to, to key you in onto the themes and the ideas that this episode and this whole series, frankly, is is dealing with. Again, I point you to this scene and this interaction between uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan here. Yeah, if you needed a solid <laughs> example of if you were ever wondering during any of this show, I wonder what Obi-Wan is thinking right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's this. It's yeah. definitely this, you know. Yeah, and I love that. It seems like throughout this episode... It really appears to be that Kenobi and Anakin are both reflecting on this moment. 
in that yeah, it, it's hard to tell yeah and i love that it's like a bit of like back and forth to where they are both you know i don't know if anakin is thinking about this moment specifically or just kind of his overall relationship with with obi-wan but if it is them both kind of thinking on this specific moment i like that they use this memory and again use the past but you know change it in a different direction and i'm curious because we don't get a lot of, you know, that's kind of the 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 upside to a comic book or a novel is we get to be in Vader's head more to where now we kind of have to just read his <laughs> his mask a little bit. But... Dude's not talking to himself at all. No, <laughs> you know, no exposition for the audience. Exactly. Yeah, but it, no thought bubbles either that pop yeah. above his head. But yeah, it seems like I'm I'm curious if he views this as more of like a you know, fueling his rage or if there's like a little bit of sadness in this or to me, I kind of see it as like, Obi-Wan, you know, he's yeah, like, he's doing yeah. the same thing that he did. You know, I, I, I love that. Yeah. That he continues to think of, of, on this just to kind of continue to fuel his rage. You know, it, it seems like one of those things that would kind of, you know, like irk, it would kind of irk you, you know, where it's like, you yeah. think back on that thing and you're like, God, that's so annoying. That's, yeah. I hate how he does that. And he's still, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like Obi-Wan. <laughs> it's like, I, I hate it when he does that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that's uh, Vader in this series. Uh, but uh, back with Reva, she arrives and orders her battalion to bombard the outer doors. Uh, Tala urges Roken to work on the reopening the hangar roof, but they encounter technical difficulties. Haja suggests that Roken and his men enter through the vents to investigate what is obstructing the hangar roof, but Roken replies that he is just too big. Uh, Leia volunteers with Kenobi, uh, advising her to be careful. Uh, so I like that Leia isn't just, you know... Throughout the series, Leia's not just been kicking around like, oh, that the you know the the save save the princess kind of damsel in distress here. And in, in this episode, she's actively able to use some of her skills here. And I thought it was particularly interesting that she has a bit more of a mechanic role in this and kind of going back to the Skywalker roots because that's just not something I typically attribute with with Leia as being kind of uh, a fixer. You know, that's usually something that you think of of Luke and Anakin. But I love that Leia. Maybe not as as much, but, you know, a little bit. It's still kind of in there. Yeah, there's you get shades of it. Um, it makes me think of um, A New Hope when she blasts open the the grate to the yeah. trash compactor where it's like yeah. she's the one that's like, OK, well, if nobody's going to solve this problem, I will. Totally. Um, which I love, you know. Yeah. And like I said before, the scope of this feels very focused. And it, like, I, you know, that's kind of what I was alluding to is Leia is not the tag along here. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about it with the Bad Batch and Omega specifically is like, OK, what's what's her role? Because they have a very difficult position that they've put themselves in of what what is this child going to do in this scenario? Yeah. Um, and this is, you know, this doesn't feel like, okay, and you're delegated to that over there. It's not at all what it feels like yeah. um, because it just works for her character. So yeah, really love this, this little bit because it's very specific for her. It's intentional, you know, for sure. And I think that there's also a moment that we'll, we'll get to soon. And, and this moment kind of relates to it as well as Kenobi having this like, it's one of the many layers and one of the many arcs that he has for his character and his growth, but it's, it's, it's in there is that he becomes more trusting throughout the series of other people and that he trusts Leia with this very important task. You know, <laughs> if they don't get that door open, it's kind of done. That's kind of it. So I, I love that Kenobi is, is trusting of Leia in this moment to, to allow her to kind of 
you know, uh, try to save the day and and try to see what she can do here. Um, And I also, I loved that moment. It was just so, it was so endearing and so sweet to where Lola is kind of like, you know, creeping around the wires and and trying to be all secretive and Leia just kind of grabs her and she's just like, oh, restraining bolt, pop, you know, and she's just like, oh, there you are. You know, it was so, because like it was that episode, the way it ends last week is so menacing. You see that red eye and you're like, oh no, what is Lola going to do? And I love that Leia is just like, Pop, and that's kind of the end of it there. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a great moment. And uh, I love Mechanic Leia. Let me see some more Mechanic Leia. That's great. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's not It's not a side that we have seen a whole lot of. So, yeah. But it does feel very Skywalker, like you said. Yeah, I'd like to see more for sure. Uh, Kenobi leaves to attend a call on his hollow projector. Uh, Kenobi receives a message from Bail Organa, who is worried about the lack of communication and fears that if Vader has found Kenobi or learned about the children, that he will now travel to town tattooing to protect Owen Lars and Luke Skywalker. Uh, following this transmission, Kenobi reassures Tala that he will be all right. Uh, Tala confides that she took part in an operation to round up four, four sensitive families and Gorel under the cover of arresting people for tax evasion. Uh, Tala is now traumatized by the death of 16 people, including four children at the hands of the Inquisitors and also, you know, kind of her. Tala resolves to make amends for her wrongdoings uh, by helping the, to fight off the Imperial uh, besiegers. Uh, Noah, uh, you know, we're, we, we, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but to me, Tala is really shaping up to be one of my favorite additions in this series and just Absolutely. somebody that is a real standout in this series. And even though she is introduced like pretty late in the game, I was just her impact in the series is so it's felt really heavily for me. Yeah, I think even in her introduction, you can feel that she's a wildly important character, almost to the point that you're like, you know, this relationship feels like it has been developed farther than we can understand in a first impression meeting. You know, Um, I think I think that she's written like kind of perfectly for this because again, it fits into that. It fits into that category of, you know, of people's, you know, past and what they bring into things. And part of the thing that I love here, especially is, you know, she's talking about this traumatic, you know, shift in, in her life. And she said in the previous episode, you know, I, this is not, this is never who I was, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and kind of talking about it, talking about that and looking at it in that, uh, you know, lens is really interesting just because she's, you know, kind of mirroring again, some of these themes of, I, I think one of my favorites in this is great. You're a soldier now, you yeah, know, totally. and that switch for me is, is something that's so, so profound of, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I, I do this on the side. I help people kind of get where they need to go. I help people escape, Yeah, but that's kind of her role. And knowing that this is now like, great, we're going, we're going ahead all the way with this. You're a soldier now. Yeah. Um, just, Man, really love it. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities between uh, Tala and then just kind of the general state of the rebellion in Rogue One and kind of this like they're so close to that threshold and the idea of like taking that big leap and crossing that threshold to where it's now you're in a full blown war is so scary. And that fear of failure and that feel of that fear of your own past and the mistakes that you've made with Tala specifically I love that idea that her journey is 
in like a similar kind of trajectory as Kenobi's, but she seems a little bit further beyond to where it's like, yeah, I, I went through that character like a, like a couple years ago. You yeah. know, like I'm, yeah. I'm like Kenobi can kind of see eventually to what he can aspire to be that. Yes, you have failures in your life and yes, you've done things that you're not maybe even proud of, but how will you choose to act in light of those and in lieu of those? Like, Yes, you've done terrible things, but does that mean that you can just be completely sedentary and just live in the desert and just woe is me and be lost and confused the whole time? Or will you specifically stand up and be an agent of change in the galaxy? And I, I think it's important to note that, like, yeah, eventually Kenobi kind of ends up in the same place is that he's still on Tatooine. But I... I think that that's really a far cry from where we see him. Yes, geographically, he's in the same place, but I think spiritually and emotionally, he's not in the same place. Where he starts off in this series and being someone who is just completely removed from any sense of hope and that this fight is done, that doesn't seem like someone who sees this little boy and goes, that's the new hope. That's the the next generation who's going to continue to carry this torch and to, to be that hope for the galaxy. I love that Tala is someone that Kenobi can look to and kind of be like, yeah, that's that's how it's done. You know, I Tala is, has been such a great character for me in this show. Uh, and it's it's fascinating to think that like she's kind of like the end half of what I was hoping we would see some of like Ben Kenobi be, or even maybe potentially Reva. We don't really know what, you know, where, where her character is going to end up in the series. But I love that with Tala, we get to see a character who is like, I've actively made bad decisions before and I've active, actively done bad things, but now I'm in this process of atoning for my sins and like trying to become a better person. And that in spite of what I've done, I'm trying to kind of pay it forward and, and help, you know, those who, who have an opportunity to, to bring more light to the galaxy. I, I really hope that we can kind of see a character go through, through all of this. Cause uh, Tala to me is just, even in the small portion that we get of her is just, I find her incredibly compelling. Yeah. One of the things that, I don't know, this is such a dumb, like metaphor example. Mm -hmm. um, but she feels to me like a catalyst, you know, for Obi-Wan yeah. in the way that I don't know why, I don't know why this like is the metaphor that popped in, into my head, but mm -hmm. have you ever watched, have you ever watched people make like, like a chocolate ganache? <laughs> No, let's see where you okay, go with so, this one. <laughs> so what you're, what you're supposed to do when you're like one way to temper chocolate is like, I've seen you, chef. Yeah. I've seen chef. Yeah. So <laughs> one way to temper chocolate is like, uh, to make like a chocolate bar or something is you have to like temper it with heat and, and be stirring it or whatever. Yeah. But, but what you have to do or one way to do it very easily uh, and quickly without messing up is you add like a piece of chocolate that's already just a piece of chocolate mm -hmm. to this sauce mixture mm -hmm. so that the melted chocolate has like something to like model itself after. And then it becomes <laughs> something that you can form into a full structure Yes, as like this catalyst for it. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know where that that's... came from, but I get where you're coming from. <laughs> she, no, that's the thing is she is this fully formed yeah. character uh, with this fully formed purpose and mission that Obi-Wan is like, huh, I guess I didn't realize, you know, yeah. and, and can now fully be that person. And that's the nudge that, that says, okay, there's more than just going back to my life, how it was at, you know, when I'm done with this, there's more than just going back to that same sedentary life. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, if you're not into chocolate or baking, I'm sorry for that weird. I don't I honestly don't know why that popped into I'm my head. I'm tracking with you. I'm tracking with okay, you. Okay, good. Yeah, at, least I, I, yeah. at least I'm making sense. No, this idea that he, he, it, when you have somebody like more tangible that you can look to and kind of be like, well, they did it, you know? Like, yeah. Who's to say that I, I couldn't do that? I love that Tala is, is that character not just oh, she helps the white man like understand and serves his character. That's her only reason. No, Tala has gone through this complete journey of her own. And because mm-hmm. of her own past, she's able to use that past to influence people in the future. Like that's uh, also other themes that are, are found within The Last Jedi is how can you use your own mistakes to, you know, pass on essentially what you've learned and and, and help that, that, you know, they Kenobi and, and Tala seem a similar age, but essentially pass on to that next generation in in you know the proverbial sense down to luke you know from uh you know from tala to kenobi then to to luke and luke to ray and this you know this this idea of the the passing of of the torch and how are you going to use your mistakes and and use your past to influence your future to me uh i just i find uh, tala in that regard to be an, an incredibly compelling and i think we get to see that that inspiration from not only, you know, myself and, and Tala, but Kenobi and Tala in this very next scene, because uh, while the outer doors are succumbing to the pressure, uh, Kenobi tells the, the, the members of the path that he will buy them time by negotiating with the third sister. And I feel like in this episode, we really get to see general Kenobi, you know, yeah. like see that leader. And he stands up and says, I am going to, essentially sacrifice myself or maybe sacrifice myself to buy you guys more time. And to me, I don't feel like this is something that some of the earlier episodes with Kenobi, he was willing to do. He wasn't able to sacrifice maybe not the well-being of himself, but this, okay, well, if he's, if I'm gone, who's going to protect Luke? You know, he could, for all he knows, he could not make it out of this, but the fact that he is willing to step forward and, and to be that leader and to be that general Kenobi to me, I, I feel like we concretely get to see that inspiration from Tala uh, to him. And then also we get to see Kenobi negotiating, which he is the negotiator. That was he just, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I was so excited to see that. Yeah. That's, that's one of those things that you, you know, you can kind of, it's not directly like, Oh, Hey, wink, wink, nudge, yeah, nudge. Yeah. But you're just like, Oh, Obi-Wan, you. Yeah. And I thought this moment also had like big Clone Wars energy to where uh, Kenobi in that that first uh, movie there is negotiating just to buy time. Granted, he's the, he doesn't do it with tea and not as yeah, much snark on, and on sense a, of on humor. On a stone table. God, yeah. I remember that so vividly. It's so <laughs> weird and dumb. Uh, but he is uh, nonetheless able to uh, buy them some time by talking with Reva, who warns Kenobi that his stalling, an attempt to stall, will not stop Vader's advance. Uh, Kenobi questions how she knew about Vader's identity as Anakin Skywalker, since he believes she was probably too young to have known him. Kenobi then deduces that Reva was, in fact, a youngling who witnessed uh, Skywalker leading the attack on the Jedi Temple on the night of Order 66. Uh, Reva is haunted by her memories of Skywalker killing her fellow younglings. Uh, She says that she believed that Vader was there to help them and was shocked when he murdered her Jedi family. So no, we kind of knew that this was coming. A lot of the fandom and 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 theories were kicking around that we're 
pretty much nailed it right on the head that Vev, Reva was a member of the, the Jedi Order and was a youngling and who survived Order 66 and was kind of using Kenobi as a means to to get to Vader. Now that we finally saw that come to fruition, were you let by, down by the fact that you pretty much deduced it or did that kind of confirmation of what your assumption was, did that work for you? How did this moment play out for you? Well, think of it this way, kind of, you know, the the way that we've been talking about this is like, okay, here's how I can see this going, mm-hmm. right? And and then it does. This isn't something that's like, well, I can see it going one of two ways and if it goes this way, then, you know, like then I don't really like that, but I could see them doing it because of course, you know, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Um you know, our our kind of predictions here and even the fans predictions when this is something that's like, yeah, that's probably, you know, it's, it's hinted at, it's alluded at, it's, you know, it's definitely, there's red circles and red arrows um, of, yeah, this is probably going to happen. That's something that kind of fits right in. And Mm -hmm. it almost feels like when, when Obi-Wan is kind of, he's discovering this, I guess, kind of leading himself down this own path of, of wait a second. Oh my goodness. You know, Mm -hmm. um, when he's learning this, this is stuff as an audience. We're like, yeah, I mean, of course, like Mm -hmm. we know this Obi-Wan's just finding this out. It's almost as if, you know, we didn't know it, but we knew it more than just, Oh, I bet they're going to do this, you know, because the way that we're thinking about that in a prediction sense is, it would make sense if they did this. Yeah. Um, I really think it does. I honestly do. Yeah. I think it makes total sense. And it uh, obviously very, we don't have to keep <laughs> hitting this point, but it, it's, it's kind of all of these characters in the show are really building on this theme of, of the past and how you use that to then propel you in the future. And how are you going to be influenced by your own mistakes? And to me, if somebody was to be like, well, we called that, you know, that's a little bit predictable, I understand the frustration in that, but to me, uh, fans don't necessarily always like their expectations to be subverted. So it's like kind of, which is it? You know? yeah, uh, yeah. Do you want to be surprised and offer something maybe new that you didn't quite think about? Or do you kind of just be want to be given what you would expect to be given? And I think for myself, the show has given me enough surprises along the way that the, yes, this thing that we kind of all called early on that coming true isn't a bad thing to me because it makes so much sense and it really all builds to what we've been experiencing and and what Obi-Wan and and Tala and all these characters have been experiencing up to this point. And it doesn't bother me in the same way that knowing that Anakin turns to Darth Vader doesn't bother me when I watch the prequels. It's like, yeah, we know the destination and we know eventually what will become of these characters. We know Obi-Wan's not going to die in the series. We know Luke isn't going to die. We know Vader's not going to die. Like, yeah, we know all of those things and Leia's going to make it out. We know all all of those things, but that doesn't make the entire series moot. You know, it doesn't make it just like insignificant. It's like, no, we're all along here for the journey and what it means for the characters, right? Wait a minute. No, we're not. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> oh, not everybody's on the same page. Okay, yeah. hold on. Yeah, but to me, you know, if we're if we're throwing out some like kind of far fetched uh, metaphors here, to me, it is kind of like <laughs> this idea of like listening to a song, and there is like a specific like 
chord progression or the the like the 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 way the chorus is implemented that you kind of anticipate it and when it when it happens it feels right you know like a yes. certain note is struck that feels right like you can kind of even if you've never heard that song you feel like you know that it's coming you know it's More, kind of yeah like you wouldn't you wouldn't have wanted that to go any other way you know yeah, yeah. and i feel like with this character yeah if that was a red herring and that in that beginning scene there would have been really cool like to be completely surprised and like, oh, wait, actually, she's this completely other thing. Yeah, I mean, that, I'm, I'm totally open to that. But the fact that this makes so much sense and does nothing but build uh, to what these characters are experiencing. I also think going back and watching the rest of the series. And yes, obviously, there are some people that don't like Moses Ingram because she is a strong black female character. But if there's some people that are kind of like, I didn't really like her character because when she she's kind of she's posturing and she seems to think that she's maybe tougher than she actually is. I'm not intimidated by her. She seems just to kind of puff her chest out and just kind of grandstand there and to seem like, Oh, I'm really a lot tougher than I actually am. That is intentional. You go back and watch this and go, Oh, she's putting on a face. She's trying to act more evil and more menacing than she actually is to where, where she ends up at the end of this episode. She's just a scared kid, you know, that lost her family and is lashing out because she doesn't know what else to do. And to me, it's, it's an example of going back and because of the events of this episode specifically, I think some things that might not work earlier on for fans, I think are going to be completely changed because of this. Yeah, that's something that I'm at least looking forward to is wondering how people's perception of her will go, especially knowing some people that are like, yeah, she doesn't really work for me because she's not a convincing villain. Mm -hmm. Okay, now what? Yeah. Like, what's what's your opinion now? And if you are still like, well, yeah, she still doesn't really work for me because I just, you know, some other BS reason. I'm like, yeah. all right, good to know. OK, yeah, yeah, I'm just let me just no, I'm not writing anything down. I'm just making, a, you know, just making a mental, <laughs> mental note, note of, there. <laughs> yeah, mental note of what kind of Star Wars fan you are. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, there are obviously loads of fans out there who this character is just like maybe missing that piece. But I hope that now that they have those answers that they might have been looking for this entire time, I hope that it's like, oh, okay, I understand why certain things could be, you know, happening and, and why her character might be behaving in a certain way. So I hope that for those people who truly for, you know, uh, reasons beyond just bigotry, Reva doesn't work for them. I hope that those fans start to kind of be like, Oh, okay. That makes more sense. You know, I I hope that they're able to go on that journey because I've, I've really enjoyed Reva. And, and like I said, I think her and Tala and Vader and Kenobi and Leia as, as well, all of these characters are really kind of pointing to the same the same motif, the same thing, you know, and they're all kind of in different spots in their journeys, but they're all kind of pointing to the same general motif. And to me, that's, that's great writing right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kenobi then realizes that Reva is planning to kill Vader and asks her to work with him. Uh, Reva is of course, distrustful of Kenobi and questions his desire to even kill Vader, pointing out that Kenobi was not there to protect her and the other Jedi at the temple. Um, I don't know about you. I was waiting for this moment where <laughs> I, I said this kiddingly uh, that Kenobi was like, well, actually, I was fighting this four armed guy and I was riding a big lizard. And yeah. it, was, it was I got shot at by it's my like, I got knocked yeah. off a cliff. Like, <laughs> it was a whole I was thing. Totally yeah. blindsided. I was just climbing and then boom, I was yeah. in the water. He's like, I was there, though, eventually. Like, I, I kind of I came to help. But it was like it was the day after, you know, it was, yeah. just, it was, a, it was a whole mess. I understand. Um, Reva rejected 
rejects Kenobi's offer to help and believes that she will defeat her enemy alone. Uh, the third sister uses her lightsaber to then cut her way through the metal gate. Uh, this was one of those moments that I was just kind of like seeing this this intimate relationship between Kenobi and Reva and for her just to kind of just abruptly stop this conversation of like, Oh, you're making me self reflect. I hate that. Like, uh, here's my lightsaber through the door something that I could have done way earlier, but like I'm trying to end this confrontation as quick as possible because you're, I think he's kind of making her think about these things, things that frankly, she's probably already thinking of. And the fact that that, proverbial kind of mask is beginning to slip and somebody is able to just from hearing her on the other side of a big gate and door he's able to kind of pin her immediately i i love that she just lashes out and she's like okay we're done conversation's over lightsaber through the door you know yeah there's there's kind of a difference in your think if you're thinking about it in the way of like how does how do these things affect her yeah. you know how does she view it well she's clearly you know, using it to fuel some kind of anger or some kind of rage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once another person starts being sympathetic about it, yeah. that kind of thing can break down the anger and and it affects you because you're like, well, if you're being sad about it, that reminds me how sad I was about it. Yeah. And, you know, when I want to be angry about it, when realistically it's just something that's sad, that's tragic. Yeah. And it's like, okay, no, 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 no. Like, this is how I deal with it. You're not going to, you're not going to trick me into, you know, feeling bad for myself or trick me into, you know, having a different emotional response, um, after you're so, you know, just like steady in your ways of, no, I'm going to, I'm going to try to chop up people, you know? Yeah. And I think it's something we don't have to get too deep here, but I think that that's something that a lot of people can relate to, you know, people who have maybe made their own mistakes and and meet people that try to be understanding and try to extend that, you know, is, is Kenobi manipulating her in this moment and just trying to, you know, trying to get in her head? Maybe, you know, but I also think I believe in the character of Kenobi and I believe in the light side and that that no one's ever truly too far gone. If Vader yeah. himself, who we see in this series, snack, snap a couple of people's necks, <laughs> a young boy, mind you, and then builds a fortress on the on the the, the on top of a, a tomb filled with dead children. If that guy is able to come back from from the dark, I think Reva, who is obviously throughout the episodes of this uh, the episodes of the series in this episode in particular is not fully committed to the dark side. I, I think that it's something that people could relate to of yeah. being scared of that kind of vulnerability, being scared of someone who is able to kind of see through that veil and that posturing, like I was talking about with her and that he's like, no, I, I see the real you. And I, I, I see that scared kid still like the fact uh, yeah. that she just kind of, okay, conversation over lightsaber <laughs> through the door. I, I, I find that moment really effective. Well, it's, it's one of those things again, more not metaphors but another kind of out there reference it makes mm-hmm. me think of i don't know why but it makes me think of the um it's not your fault bit from goodwill hunting yeah where it's like yeah. a, a person with with an outrageous emotional response to this one thing yeah immediately broken down by somebody being like hey i i see you i yeah. understand you yeah um that's that's such a human thing and yeah. star wars is all about the the humanness the humanity of things you know yeah now i'm just ma- imagining <laughs> robin williams just <laughs> going to various star wars characters and just being like it's not your fault and, i thought you were and- gonna say <laughs> matt damon absolutely gutting robin williams with a lightsaber no 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 i'm saying like robin williams going to darth maul and just being 
and like it's not, it's your, not fault. your fault and he's <laughs> like just, stop <laughs> it's not your fault <laughs> i could see it i could see it that's this is all they need is just a big hug from robert oh, williams man. don't don't we all don't we all just yes. need that sometimes uh kenobi then uses the force to hurl her back and a firefight breaks out between areva's stormtroopers and the path fighters uh, Reva orders her troops to storm the facility. Uh, the Pathfinders, including Tala and the load droid Ned B, uh, shoot at the advancing Imperials and manage to uh, hurl two aside. I love that we get some Ned action in this, like from uh, who we thought might just be like this fun kind of sassy droid. The fact that they're just like big stoic silent droid that just throws at stormtroopers and then has a horrifyingly sad moment Ugh, like i'm going to talk about here where tala is struck by a blaster bolt uh ned carries the wounded body uh, to safety before using his own body as a shield against the stormtroopers blaster bolts uh tala tells kenobi to retreat before activating a detonator oh man it just gave me like rogue one flashbacks and just yeah i literally K2SO was like are we, so and i'm just like is everybody gonna that? die right now is yeah, everybody gonna yeah. die is that how it's gonna happen yeah um, and just rogue one sac or uh, rogue one and k2so to sacrifices himself i'm just like god you guys are doing that yeah. again like <laughs> uh, just big sad droid sacrificing themselves i'm like why star wars why <laughs> um i do have a question i mm-hmm. i so i watched the episode i didn't get a chance to play it back did Tala used the force to close the door on Kenobi. No, she uh, shoots the the door. Did she shoot it? Yeah, like what you were okay. talking about earlier, where you shoot the panel and it does exactly what right. you want it to do. <laughs> yeah, I she... wasn't sure because I I wasn't sure I couldn't see like a blaster in her hand, and I was yeah. like, did it? Hold on, hold on a minute. No, she uh, she shoots the door uh, and then sets off the yeah the thermal detonator and just yeah. I mean, like I said, this is this seems to be the end of Tala. You know, I don't think that yeah. she's gonna. She's going to make it through this, but she, uh, you know, today her, her black series figure was revealed and it goes on sale tomorrow. And like, I'm going to be buying that thing, man. I want a Ned, uh, Ned Tala two pack, you know, man. like they, they, uh, from a character that was introduced nearly halfway, if not halfway through this, I think episode three was yeah, when she was introduced was, yeah. about halfway through the series. I was just so blown away by her. Uh, in her in her performance uh, in in this character for having such resonance and awakening something in Kenobi and this she is just she's one of those characters that I could just see like like an infus nest or something like that that it's just like yeah there's this really small character who's like barely in this movie and is that introduced quite late into this movie but here's why I love them and here is like why these characters are like the epitome of Star Wars like an, like a character like infus nest this now Tala kind of joins those ranks of like, she's honestly like, you know, in, in her brief time that we get her in this, I'm like, give me more. Like, I would love to see like a novel or like a limited comic book series or something like that. I want more Tala because I was just completely blown away uh, by her in, in this uh, series and in this episode in particular. Yeah, really, really strong writing for a character, especially, you know, with such limited time. Yeah. Um, because it's just such an important role yeah. that she has. Um, very, very sad about Ned B, especially. Pour one out, um, man. Honestly, yeah, because I can just see we're not going to get much more of like that kind of droid. And it's such an interesting character to be like, this droid doesn't say anything ever. Yeah. And Tala is, you know, not there for very long, but clearly has an impact on Leia and yeah. on Obi-Wan. Yeah. And is one of those people that's like, you watch the rest of his journey in 
you know, the original trilogy and and new hope and kind of where he's teaching from. You're like this person directly influenced that person we see on screen right now. Yeah. And that's like a huge, huge, that's, that's a big deal, you know? Yeah. Like this, her sacrifice in this totally rings true to like, we're, we're Kenobi eventually, you know, his sacrifice in a new hope that he looks over, he sees Luke and Leia reunited and then he sacrifices himself so they can escape. And that, that new hope can survive and that next generation can survive. Like she kind of just does the same thing here. And I'm not just saying that like, Oh, Kenobi, you know, stole it out of her, uh, that playbook. And he was like, Oh, I'll remember that for later. Like not that at all. I'm just saying like thematically this idea of this, this continuing of, you know, and you mentioned last Jedi, this not fighting what we hate, but saving what we love. And that preservation of the light is like, this is that incarnate like this. I, I keep banging on here about, about Tyla, but I just found her sacrifice to be really impactful and, and what she means for Kenobi beyond just being like, Oh yeah, she helps the, the male protagonist learn something about her like no she goes on this journey on her own and yeah we don't get to see all of it but to me she is kind of what i've been wanting for a lot of other star wars characters and this idea that okay we yeah we see vader and we see this redemption but what does that look like to atone for your mistakes what does that look like after you make that switch something that a lot of people myself included wanted for ben uh, for ben solo is like okay you've made mistakes and but you've you've realized that you've switched now you're trying to turn over a new leaf and a uh, leaf and, and, you know, go down this path of good. What does that look like? And the fact that Tala is able to actively help the galaxy and save so many lives, but still be cognizant of her own shortcomings and her own mistakes, but not let that, you know, overpower her or, or, or you know, uh, just be buried by it like Kenobi is. I, I just find it really inspiring. Mm-hmm. That's something that, you know, again, we've seen time and time again. It's so funny that we kind of, you know, we see a lot of sacrifice where it's like, what's the ultimate, you know, yeah. the ultimate devotion to this thing is sacrifice. Yeah. Um, like sacrifice of one's self. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny just how many people we can count that, that have been in that place. But we had talked about it not too long ago of, of, um, Diego Luna saying like, well, how does this character, how does Cassian Andor get to this place of the ultimate sacrifice? Um, and, and it, it does, you know, she does kind of join the ranks, so to speak, as someone who is capable of doing that, like a Paige Tico or an Admiral Holdo or a Cassian Andor or an Obi-Wan later, you know, um, really, really big stuff. Again, that my favorite part of it is the you're a soldier too now. Totally. Um, and what that means for the galaxy going forward at this point. I think she fits into that very, very specifically very well. Yeah. And it's almost like a different conversation maybe for another time, but I think that there's a very clear reason when I was saying like, she's not just a character that has the main is serves a point to, to teach the main character a lesson and that's it. And I would point to a character like Val from solo, a star Wars story to where it's like, that's kind of their only function and they're not given really much else to their character beyond just serving the main character and, and, and teaching them a lesson to whereas as Tala in this character is given like her, you know, we don't get to see the entire thing and I hope we do one day. But to see her own kind of arc that she goes on and because of this arc, she is then able to kind of inform other people. And just like, you know, Luke Skywalker goes on and and The Last Jedi, he goes on his own emotional emotional journey. And how do the characters around him respond to that? So, 
Pour one out for Talaman, uh, but also uh, Ned B, the the load lifting droid. Uh, rip, rip. We lost a good one today. We lost a good one. Uh, the Imperial captain informs Lord Vader that Reva has breached the inner sanctum. Uh, Vader tells the captain to order Reva to stand down, believing that Kenobi is now in their grasp. Um, I do want to pause a little bit because we hadn't really talked about it in recent weeks, but uh, James Earl Jones and his performance, whether or not it's AI, I don't know. The jury is still kind of out on that. I can't really tell, but I can't really tell. And I will (laughs) say the, the, these past couple of episodes, James Earl Jones, his performance or this computer's performance, I don't know, has worked for me a lot more. I feel like there's a lot more um, personality in this, uh, whereas those first kind of episodes, I felt like it was kind of flat. I felt like in this, I was like, that's Empire Strikes Back Darth Vader right there. That feels like it was a line ripped straight from Empire. So James Earl Jones or the computer that's imitating him, not really sure, but I think that's kind of a good thing that even if it's not better by the week, either way. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Maybe it's just me getting more used to it. Not really sure, but I will say the voice performance of Vader really uh, has been working for me these past, uh, past couple of weeks. Me too. I there is a line specifically where I was like, I, that, that sounds like it could be from one of the movies. I almost think it's, you know, kind of one of those references. I'd have to go back and remember what the line is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I totally hear it too. So yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, back to another flashback scene. Uh, Anakin drives Kenobi to the edge of the balcony and tells his master to admit that he is beaten. Uh, now to the present, believing that they have lost, Kenobi wants to go back and surrender to Lord Vader. Uh, Kenobi walks out to the second blast door and surrenders to the Imperials, uh, where he is arrested by stormtroopers. Uh, Kenobi entrusts Raja to protect Leia from here. And that's kind of what I was going back to is that this is another um, uh, showing that Kenobi is trusting more and a character that he trusted very little <laughs> early on and kind of only uh, believed in t- out of necessity to, okay, well, we have nowhere to go. Leia encouraged him to listen to Raja where he was like, you can't trust people, uh, Leia. And he's like, Leia said something like, um, well, we don't really have a lot of other choices here so let's listen to the guy who's trying to help us and maybe uh maybe we will actually be safe from this so i love that we're able to see kenobi kind of go from this journey of distrust to trusting this person with you know somebody who's very important to kenobi with leia yeah and it's something that you can kind of see because it's not that raja specifically had done anything um that said okay great now i can trust you you know um it was it was a tonal shift for kenobi after the events that have taken place that says okay great now i can do this yeah um it's not like raja you know quote unquote earned that trust i would Um, say i would say he did though he he did he he nearly sacrificed himself to go up against uh you know he totally did but you know kenobi's reaction after that was not all people are good like they made it to mapuzo Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. kenobi was still like this dude this dude you know um And so, you know, he didn't have like a moment where it was like, oh, I guess I can trust him. It was just that switch in his mind that was, I will trust people now, you know, really good, really good. It's great stuff. 
Uh, Kenobi is brought to uh, a, a boasting Reva who orders her troops to inform Lord Vader of his capture. Uh, Reva informs Kenobi that Lord Vader is on his way. Uh, Kenobi counters that he is bringing him to her rather than the other way around. Uh, he asks Reva if she is going to let Lord Vader slaughter more civilians, including children, and reiterates that his offer to stop Vader again. Uh, Reva asks that he will not see it coming. Uh, Kenobi replies that Vader will be too fixated on him. So I really love this is another moment to me that it's it's foreshadowing the Kenobi that we know to come to where he says like there are all, there are all alternatives to fighting. He says that in A New Hope and this is that put into practice to where Kenobi is using his knowledge of the ways of the dark side and how they interact and then entreat each other. The rule of two is literally that of like, yeah. Oh, we get these two guys in a room and they're just going to kill each other. Meanwhile, <laughs> I can, that, you know, that, that, that hope and that ember of hope is able to survive because of their, their infighting and their distrust of one another. Like we had just talked about, you know? Yeah. That's something that again, last Jedi, come on. Like that's, <laughs> you know, the, the whole, they're waiting for, you know, for that distraction so that they can, yeah. they can get away. Just, and that's yeah. not just the last Jedi. That's obviously the, totally. you know, that's something that we've seen a lot before. Yeah. And it's, it's almost tragic to me that it doesn't feel like Obi-Wan is necessarily like using that to play against Reva mm -hmm. to say like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to use that to, to get myself away from this situation which is ultimately what he does. Yeah. Um, but there, you know, there's some, some tragedy there in the fact that Reva is on this journey on her own, whether or not Kenobi is there. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, how are we going to see this play out between the two of them? Yeah. Because Kenobi is just a tool for Reva and, you know, Kenobi's like, okay, well, if you're not going to let me help you, then I'm, there's, there's not much that I can do. Yeah. Um, it's so there's, there's tragedy there that I think we're going to see more expanded upon, um, a little bit later, you know? Yeah. And it's something that like, it's weird. Cause like the, the, it's just kind of the history of Star Wars. I'm like, it's not <laughs> looking good forever. Is even <laughs> where it ends with this episode. I'm just kind of like, I could see, you know, this not air ending terribly I say, I'm well having for her. second sister flashbacks yeah, from Fallen man, Order. Yeah, totally. And I'm just kind of like, oh man, I would really love for Reva to be that, like, like Tala is to have this opportunity to go forward and to really emphasize the themes of the show. And how great would it be for her to then join the path and to actively seek out other, you know, members of, of the light, you know, and, and, and see how they... Uh, how they navigate that that sense of of fear that you know your mistakes are going to to overshadow the the goodwill that you try to put out in the galaxy and hey I you know seeing more Reva in a Fallen Order sequel would be pretty cool too so that would also be pretty cool yeah I, I again it's it's not looking great man uh, but in her, the statistically speaking it's, <laughs> she, I don't think she's gonna make it out of the next episode uh, but I'm very hopeful uh, that she does because I, I, I think know, that man. that's really I don't interesting know. I've yeah. got a theory I've got a tinfoil hat Ooh, I'm just saying excited to hear it excited to hear it. Uh, uh, 
But back in the flashback, Noah Kenobi manages to break out of the corner that Skywalker had maneuvered uh, maneuvered him into. Uh, the two resume their fight, but Skywalker still manages to knock the lightsaber out of Kenobi's hand. Uh, Kenobi warns his Padawan that his need for victory blinds him. Uh, and this ties in directly to what we see back in the present, where Vader arrives outside the path's fortress and meets with Reva, demanding to know where Kenobi is. Uh, she tells her that the uh, Kenobi is in. Uh, she tells her master, excuse me, that Kenobi is inside, but Vader is determined to bring him in himself. There's a really funny edit here that got a big laugh out of me, to where Reva uh, Vader asks where uh, uh, Vader asks Reva where Kenobi is, and she says like she's like oh he's he, he's inside. Cut to Kenobi just like kicking the shit out of stormtroopers <laughs> and just like running away. That was that was great to me. I, I really it is re- it is really funny. I think that. Now that I'm reminded, that was the line when Vader says, I will bring him in myself. Yeah. That line, I was like, that feels so... Like pure James Earl Jones. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, very, very intimidating. Yes, yes. Uh, meanwhile, Kenobi breaks free of his stormtrooper captors, like I said, and flees deeper into the path facility. Uh, while searching for the Red Breaker, Leia is attacked by the reprogrammed Loa, Lola. Uh, Leia sees that a restraining bolt has been attached to Lola and frees her droid, uh, freeing her of the Imperial programming. Uh, Vader enters the base in pursuit of Kenobi, where Leia and Lola work together to open the roof's doors. Uh, Sully leads the refugees aboard their ship while Kenobi reunites with Leia. Uh, Leia learns that Tala did not survive. Um, I really, I, I just wanted to take a, a moment here and and just shout out uh, uh, the Rexon around on Twitter. Uh, he is another fellow Star Wars content creator that I saw that he had the opportunity to be an extra in this scene. Uh, and wow. he is, I was just, you know, I, I saw there was a couple of people that I've known. My uh, buddy Kyle Baston, who's like a fellow uh, Hoosier, was also an extra in like prior episodes. So I'm like, I've known uh, and uh, uh, Steel Wars uh, was also an extra in another episode. I'm like, I've known at least like four people <laughs> who are extras <laughs> in this series. So maybe one day, Noah, maybe one day I can be in a Star War. What uh, if? So shout out to uh, shout out to uh, uh, Rexing around for being a, a, a refugee <laughs> in this. He's if you good look job, him, you played it perfectly. He did a great job. Just really, <laughs> really just understood the role, understood the assignment of, of blue hat guy. Uh, yes. I, I hope he gets a trading card <laughs> <laughs> or an action figure. Who knows? The next hot figure. toy. Oh, the next hot toy. That'd be nice. Maybe that'd be the first one that I get. Uh, while Leia and Kenobi head for their transport. Vader forces his way inside the hangar bay. Uh, he uses the force to grab Roken's freighter, preventing the ship from ascending and forcing it to the ground. He rips the ship apart only to find that it is an empty decoy. Uh, the path's fighters and refugees escape on a second freighter. Man, uh, talk about Oof. great kind of like action, you know, adventure, just thrilling moments of, of the kind of that whiz bang kind of uh, storytelling here. That was just that was sick, man. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know if there's like a good way to describe how it's just like everybody ever yeah. has wanted to see Vader yeah. like pull down a ship yeah. with the force. Mm-hmm. Just that that's one of those dream things. And obviously yeah. there's some media where that does happen. Yeah. Whether or not that's, you know, always canon. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- it's just, you know, I was the whole time I was like, no freaking way yeah and also want to mention 
I like I I do wonder if people are like, oh, it was a decoy. Nice, you know, good oh, like good writing guys. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, honestly, that's how you do that. Of totally. Chewbacca's alive. He must have been on a different ship where it's just yeah. like the ship blew up and then it's like, wait, why did he what? Like he's mm-hmm. okay. I guess there was a different ship, maybe, that we didn't really see. Um, but this is one of those things that's like you see the rage, the intensity, mm-hmm. the absolute like behemoth of Vader just in his full, like almost there, almost there anger. Yeah. yeah. And like, and then it happens and then you're like, oh, psych, man, so close, man. You yeah. know, you seeing that is very much like, whoa, that was a close call. Mm-hmm. You're there. You're like feeling the stakes of that. Yeah. Um, and I just think that that's super effective, you know? Yeah. And I also look towards obviously like Rogue One, because to me, this is a moment that with Vader, I try to kind of uh, the Rogue One Vader hallway sequence has been I've had complicated feelings of it in, in, in especially in recent years of just kind of like hesitance to enjoy that scene just because I feel like a lot of members of the fan base who I you know, find to be pretty toxic <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and, per, you know, and, and kind of share this toxic masculine kind of uh, power fantasy of, of the dark side. And uh, that screenshot of Vader is your profile picture on Twitter. Yeah, and, just thing, re- yeah. and there's nothing wrong with liking this moment, but I'm just always curious of like, okay, you love this moment. It is a cool moment. I'm not going to act like it's not. And in the theater, I was like, holy shit, you know, as, as most people were, but why do you like this moment? And because I find oftentimes that people are just like, like, oh, it's really cool and badass. We finally get to see Vader murking some people. It's just kind of like, okay, that's it, huh? You know, it's <laughs> it's just that's that's kind of where I, I I fall short with a little bit of those moments. But upon kind of further reflection, I think that moment as well as this moment, the, the reason I bring up that Rogue One moment in particular, because I think both of these moments are kind of playing that same note of look how powerful this guy is. Look what he's able to do and who is he able to inflict this rage and this power on. Here's a very clear demonstration of that power that he wields and still he's not able to accomplish his goals. And still, despite all of that rage and power that he has, that, that, that hope and that light slips through his fingers because that's the limitations of the dark side. Yeah. You can pull a ship down out of the sky and rip it open. And like, I, I will say the, the intensity in which he like, you know, throws the ship down and just rips open the doors sells the kind of like, Oh no, Kenobi is like that, 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 that hits home for him to where he's, yeah. you know, it's, it's personal. That's that, gotta be Hayden in there, man. It's gotta be, <laughs> it's gotta be But that idea. It's like, yeah, it is. It is cool. And it is the kind of, this force unleashed kind of you know badass energy that like I don't get me wrong I love seeing as well I, I also played that game uh, growing up and seeing that kind of stuff is cool but what does it mean for the characters beyond just being really cool man and I think just like that Rogue One scene there's more to it than just it being a badass moment so like it's funny because like I, I you know asked me a year or so ago if I would have seen this scene in this episode I don't know if it would have played well for me but even in kind of my own self-reflection of this moment in Rogue One of like okay remove the fans what does this moment kind of mean to you and and what is you know is this just p- playing to those fans and catering to those fans of like oh you you guys have this weird love of Darth Vader and I get it I love him too he's a really effective scary villain but how people maybe uh 
it, it goes beyond maybe just like appreciation. It almost like kind of, you know, veers into like admiration of Darth Vader, which is right. not the point. And, and, and George Lucas will tell you as much when Revenge of the Sith came out and you have people like Star Wars theory that are like, oh, I want to see Anakin decapitating children. It's just like, Jesus Christ, what's wrong <laughs> with you? <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I had a joke about that earlier because like I said, we had a debate yeah. of uh, which version of Anakin is hotter. Uh, the one we see in this episode or attack yeah. of the clones and, yeah. and, you know, in the prequels and, and my wife, Rachel was like, uh, well he was hot until he started killing kids. <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, yeah. good, great. You know, yeah. or I mean, I, I jokingly was like, I don't know, man, still yeah. kind of hot, but that's, that's <laughs> the thing is like, once you get to that point, are you like, yeah, this, I still love this character, especially now, especially yeah. now I love this character. You're yeah. Like, and I, I, um, under <laughs> I understand in this episode even begins, there's like a content you know essentially like a trigger warning and i get yeah. it i understand especially in lieu of a lot of like uh or in light of a lot of recent real world events i understand why this could be really upsetting for people but i don't think that it's uh, upsetting despite or you know that it works despite these uh current events right. i think it also could work with these events and that you see the real terror of darth vader and that's why i'm so bewildered i'm sure star wars theory is not the only person to want this but to see this vader just pillage the galaxy and in what we see where he's snapping people's necks let's see even more of that we're just cutting people in half and just they want to see a darth vader movie of just that hallway sequence and that's the whole movie to where it me i've never needed that because to me that's not that's not the point that's not the power of anakin as a character anakin is a tragic character uh, and when people say like, oh, I wanted a whole movie of, of Anakin Skywalker. I know Revenge of the Sith is like viewed very highly nowadays by fans. And, and it's like seen as like one of the more popular Star Wars movies. But back in 2005, there were people who were upset that we didn't just get an entire movie of Darth Vader just killing people. Uh, and to me, moments like that or moments like this, you got to ask, why are we seeing that? You know, w w this demonstration of power. Uh, and then this this terror that he is able to inflict on the galaxy. What does that mean? And and just like in Rogue One and just like in this moment here, it's the, it's the folly of the dark side, really. It's that despite of all that power and the, and the might that he has, hope and light will continue to slip through his fingers because that's how the light side wins. The, the you know, uh, uh, the, the, the light side builds while the, the dark side only knows how to tear down. Uh, yeah. and, and that's kind of the, the power of Star Wars. So despite the fact that I am no doubt, uh, <laughs> if I go on TikTok right now, just seeing people just be like, Finally, the good first thing that Disney Plus has ever done. Look how sick this is. It's like, no, it is. It's cool. But also, you know, maybe dig a little bit deeper. That's always kind of my my advice to a lot of Star Wars fans. Just dig a little bit deeper. So always. Yeah. Really loved this moment. I just fear that it's maybe not for the same reason that other people <laughs> uh, love this moment. But I did. Uh, sorry to like go on a tangent here, but I did want to address what you had said about the, the Rise of Skywalker moment to me, because this is that's directly tying to the themes and, and, and what I was talking about here is that he's so narrow focused, just like that, that duel that he's having with, with Kenobi is the, in the flashback and beyond that moment, just being cool fan service of seeing Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker. It's proving that his need to win is completely blinding him to what's, uh, what's surrounding him and what, uh, you know, and what's actually at, at, at play here in this idea that there was another transport. And if you go back and look at that shot, 
you can see it. Like it's in the background. Like yeah. but as an audience, I didn't notice it because I'm so focused on what's going on like Vader. So to me, that, that moment really works. The rise of Skywalker thing, different conversation, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> different conversation. But this moment did really work for me. And I did see some people saying like, "Ugh, we're doing this bit again, but it's like, no, that's the point. It's supposed to be like, Oh, there was another transport. I was too busy worrying about this one. It's not supposed to be like a, Oh, gotcha. Like we didn't set this up and there's no, you know, like it's, it's not like pulling the wool out from under your eyes. It's like, no, it's right there. You can, you can see it if you just yeah. pay attention, you know? Yeah. That's something that, uh, you know, the themes that we've covered so far, even in previous episodes of, mm -hmm. of turning on the light and being yeah. able to see your surroundings and knowing what that means for not only for Obi-Wan, but in the context of every other character of, you know, are you in the dark right now? Cause you probably are. Yeah. Um, and, and being able to see the full picture, we talked about it again with the other inquisitors is that they don't, they don't notice totally. that Obi-Wan sneaks right past totally. them, you know? And, see, I'm so and glad people, you brought yeah, that up. So glad you brought like, that up. People are like, that's so dumb. That's so You're talking dumb. about like the and little like, rascals thing? Yeah, or, yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. I, like, cause that, I completely that, that forgot about that. That specifically, you know, is one of those things where you're like, guys, come on, like, just, you know, you're almost there. You're almost there. Just I know. Keep, keep going totally. with that thought. I'm, I'm on the same page as you. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I just, I want to hear more people, you know, acknowledging acknowledging this kind of thing because it's like you and I can see that right away. And then like, you know, sometime during my week, I'll probably get around to watching, you know, Alex's video about the recap because that's what yeah. I do at work. Yeah. I don't actually work. Don't tell my <laughs> boss. Um, but I'll, yeah. I'll probably don't get around don't tell to that. Noah's boss, but don't yeah. also tell the people that work at Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, when I do get around to watching that, Alex is going to say the same thing. And yeah. it's not because he knows everything about Star Wars. It's because there is more to it than just your initial gut feelings of, yeah. well, wait a minute. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Therefore, that's dumb. And, yeah. you know, it's just. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I tweeted something earlier, not to continue going on this tangent, but like of the last episode of that kind of that little rascals like you know leia's under the 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 trench coat there and they're escaping and the we mentioned it last week is the fifth brother doesn't even notice them because he's so worried about the third sister and, and reva he's completely ignores this very obvious attempt at an escape not only is that there but i was so annoyed that people are like Ugh, this would never work this is so dumb and i was like yeah. Did you watch the episode? It doesn't work. <laughs> they get caught moments after this. What are you talking about? Like, it's not a foolproof, uh, foolproof uh, proof plan. They get caught, but it's uh, in, okay. The fifth brother doesn't see them. Why? You know, because he's so focused on this other thing. The same reason that Vader doesn't notice that there's another transport is the same reason that the fifth brother doesn't notice Kenobi smuggling a child in his trench coat, leaving in a very obvious like. Uh, and he's and, not even wearing a fake mustache. And his he's hair is too long and he's got a beard. He looks ridiculous. Like that's, yeah. that's kind of the point is because they're so blinded by their own need to win and to dominate. And the fifth brother doesn't even regard or is not even worried about this because he's so focus on Reva like that's that's the point like you said it's like you're so close just just ask why and then yeah. like take one more step and there you go so yeah not to like lecture some of those fans but I was just kind of like guys come on also, like, guys take notes <laughs> just take yeah. notes like and subscribe leave us a review but uh anyway <laughs> 
uh, Riva retaliates, employing the uh, use of, uh, oh, excuse me, excuse me. Uh, back in the present, Reva attempts to stab Vader with her lightsaber, but he uses the force to block her blade. Uh, Vader surmises that Kenobi was wise to use the third sister against him. He then hurls Riva aside. Uh, Riva retaliates, employing the use of pretty much every trick that she has up her sleeves, uh, including uh, using the Inquisitor lightsaber in two, spinning, all this kind of stuff. Uh, Vader then absolutely just wipes the floor with her. Uh, he just demolishes her because it's, it requires literally no effort on his behalf whatsoever. And I love that that's not only like the case here and far as, as far as like, a, again, a cool seeing Vader as a badass guy. Yes. But also like as someone who really is fascinated by the relationship between the Inquisitors and Vader, the fact that he's just, he's like, you guys suck. Like, I don't need you here. Like I can do all of this. And he's it's almost like, like he's waiting for them to, yeah. to, you know, throw a coup where he's like, Oh, finally, exactly. I can get rid of these people. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. He's got middle management there and he's like, Oh my God, this is just, I don't need this. And the fact that he doesn't even ignite his lightsaber for, I think all of that fight, he just takes Reva's lightsaber yeah. from her. Yeah. Does this like, kicks for steel that was really cool <laughs> it's so it's so so cool yeah it's, it, it, we can dive into the the bigger ideas and the themes of this episode but this was one moment in, in particular that although yes those are there this was just like a man that was that was really cool <laughs> yeah it, just knowing his his power his domination where it's yeah she does somewhat hold her own in the beginning of it yes she's yeah. getting thrown around but at least she's not getting absolutely just sliced like the yeah. second sister does in fallen order or oh, yeah. she like she just panics and is like well that's it i'm done yeah yeah uh, it, it is big fallen order vibes you just run and attack them and he's just like move like yeah <laughs> yeah it's great yeah and uh uh i i saw some people tweet out that vader kind of like kind of strikes a pose with the inquisitors double lightsabers which i don't know if we see in rebels but i kind of forgot that they could do that that they could kind of like unhinge and like have kind of like a well, uh, i, I know that that because i like maul's lightsaber is just the one half of one yeah but um, his like seems like his was like cut in half rather right. than like a clean kind of snap you know i just i didn't know if that was kind i of did a i did issue actually thing. question like at the end of the episode i was like I wonder how those lightsabers work. I want to see like a schematics thing, like a, yeah. I want to see a red t-shirt with the schematics <laughs> of an Inquisitor's lightsaber. Yeah, we'll be at a con. I'm like, Hey, hold right there. And I'm like looking at this guy's <laughs> chest like, Oh, okay, there's two kyber. Oh, oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, I love that. But I saw somebody tweet out that Vader kind of strikes like a similar pose to Ahsoka as far as like her kind of wielding the, the two lightsabers there. So I'm wondering if that was intentional mm. or at all, or just kind mm. of, um, where he was like, ah, I used to train somebody who used two lightsabers, but, uh, a very very cool moment um obviously doesn't work out for reva because vader stabs her through the torso with a lightsaber uh and uh kind of just laughs at her essentially he's like yeah good work man like <laughs> yeah. how did that work out for you trying to assassinate me uh as the Wait, revive... i have my i have my tinfoil hat okay theory i'm ready okay. i am so ready. we see kind of that you know while she's experiencing darth vader coming up on her mm -hmm. to, you know, end it. Yes. Um, we kind of get this split second flashback of her as a youngling totally. with Anakin approaching her mm -hmm. and the same sort of thing happens. And I had, I'd have to, I'd have to comb through our previous episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, but I had mentioned before, I wonder if Reva was injured 
um, during Order 66 and had some kind of cybernetic enhancement. Mm-hmm. And she has kind of this belt with, you know, a flashing light on it. Yeah. And I know that the Inquisitor's armor is a little bit weird in the way that it's like, why is there why is there blinking lights on yeah. there? Yeah. You know, everybody kind of has these, these blinking lights. Mm-hmm. But she has this kind of like belt that seems very, I guess, stout um, sure. for just being a decoration piece. And I do wonder if she was like stabbed through the stomach as a child and Vader does the same thing. And I wonder if she's kind of fully injured or more just like she could get some repairs maybe, and then kind of be back to at least 95% after sure. a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's my tinfoil hat theory. Rev is not down for the count. Maybe no. she'll come back. Well, um, she's, yeah, she's the, the way this episode ends. She's absolutely going to come back for the finale, but uh, that's an interesting point for sure, because we do see Anakin kind of like slice at her and she says that she plays dead. So there's def- she definitely is uh, some sort of seemingly mortal wound is, is, is inflicted right. on her. But I think it's, you know, almost a little bit more kind of a, uh, not more important, but kind of the, the, this idea and it, it it's laid out pretty obvious that throughout all of this in this in this the terrible things that she's no doubt done and this path that she's laid out for herself all of which just building to this moment of trying to get vader led to what her yeah. exactly where she was you know is the scared kid on her knees like waiting to be killed by darth vader you know and uh i i think that there is i would love to see a moment where like how does she respond to this does she continue to hunt you know and go to tatooine and we'll, we'll discuss here and go to tatooine to to meet vader uh and to try to join with kenobi and defeating him or is it more of like kind of a wake-up call of like well i saw this other literal path that i could go down is that more valuable and more worth my time or is she going to just you know just kind of do the same thing and go back and try to kill vader again because I don't know uh, what if it was me, I'd be like, oh, it wasn't like a, oh, man, if I would have gotten that one hit in, it's like, dude, you weren't even close. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen next time? Like, it's, it's, it's just no shot. But yeah, very curious to see how uh, Reva is going to respond to this because um, aboard Roken's ship. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, Grand Inquisitor is alive. He's back. No doubt. He's just, yeah. you know, he's there. He does yeah. have a really, really good line when he mm-hmm. says, uh you know, revenge will do wonders on your will to live. Totally. Um, again, I think that that's obviously that's not something that we haven't seen before, not just with him, uh, but also with Maul, Palpatine, um, Palpatine as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I do think that this is somewhat foreshadowing for Reva. If we're talking about what path she may or may not go down, um, is, you know, who might she be seeking revenge against? Yeah. Um, and does she, I mean, will she have, a stronger will to survive and to live if she's Mm -hmm. really embracing the dark side. Um, We have yet to see, but I think that that's an interesting proposition for her basically is to say, okay, you're at a crossroads now. What's it going to be? Totally. Yeah. And this, uh, he then tells her like your rage was useful, but now it's become tiresome is also like a very dark side line of like, you were of use to me. Now you're not. So I have like, you're gone. Like I, I have no, you you have no utility left. And so I, I don't need you anymore. Like, give me that pin back. That's mine. (laughs) Just takes that enamel pin that I want and just pins it on himself. Um, Oh, is it like a sheriff around these parts? Is it like a magnet situation? I I think it is. I think, 
it is. He just kind of places it there. You yeah, know? it's got to so be. He's just a big refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it is. It's just big metal suits. It's got to be uncomfortable in there. So like, especially in the Tatooine sun, it's got to be all hot in there. No, thank you. Well, it's uh, black too. I mean, that's just that's what I'm saying. Man, that's yeah. common sense. No, thanks. No, thanks. Uh, aboard Roken's ship, Kenobi and Leia sit among the refugees. Uh, Roken tells them that the ship's hyperdrive is not working and that the Empire is still pursuing them. Back on Jabim, Riva, uh, Reva reaches for her double-bladed spinning lightsaber and eyes Kenobi's hollow projector. Uh, watching the hollow projector's message, Reva intercepts Organa's uh, message to Kenobi, learning that Anakin Skywalker indeed has a son on Tatooine. Uh, Kenobi realizes his hollow projector is missing, but tells Roken that nothing is wrong. On Tatooine, the young Luke Skywalker sleeps in his bed at the Lars homestead. Dun, dun, dun. So... Lots of things to discuss here and uh, where we think this uh, the next episode will be leading us here. But first of all, like, why do you think that Kenobi is kind of like, ah, oh, it's nothing. Don't even worry about it. You know, like he kind of has like this. I, I think I left the stove on. Like, I think that I believe that I plug in the hair the <laughs> curling iron. I don't know. Why do you I think that the, I left the oven on? <laughs> why, why do you think he kind of like uh, disregards uh, this, you know, his, his leaving of his hollow projector? Well, I almost wonder if it's something that that at this point he can sort of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, and we get the idea that when he's t- when he's negotiating with Reva, um, there's kind of a sound cue and a cinematic cue that mm-hmm. he can kind of sense, you know, through talking to her and kind of yeah. through that barrier, that literal barrier of the blast doors, he can kind of sense her feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's more in tune with the mm-hmm. the force at this point. And that sort of thing of him being like, oh, I forgot this. You know, I, I, I realized I don't have this is, you know, there's a difference between that where you're like, I think I left my keys at home yeah. versus wait a minute, something doesn't feel right. Um, and again, if Reva is at a crossroads right now, I wonder if Obi-Wan can feel that and say, wait a minute, something doesn't feel right. Hold on. Let me process this. Mm-hmm. And is it going to be okay? And knowing that maybe his, you know, maybe his mindset is I will deal with this, yeah. you know, when it, when it comes up, yeah. but you know, maybe, you know, maybe he thinks that, that, or maybe he feels that, Reva is not a danger to them in terms of reporting things to Vader anymore or, you know, getting, you know, having that pursuit lead to Luke or anything like that. Maybe it's just one-on-one Reva versus him um, Mm -hmm. of what she might do with that information and he will respond accordingly. It's kind of my sense of it is that he can feel those things and is, you know, processing, okay, how am I going to respond to this? Is, is there any danger beyond this, you know? Yeah, I think you're, you're definitely, uh, I, I understand that perspective of like having this connection with, with Reva. For me, I view it almost as like a little more simple as far as like, well, what is he going to tell Roken? Like, oh, for sure. Oh, by the way, yeah, there's this other kid. It's like, can we turn around? Ta- yeah, like he's on Tatooine and oh, he's her brother. And like, I think he's just kind of like okay, I will handle this when I need to and I'm going to give them plausible deniability of like what they don't know is not going to hurt them. Yeah. We're going to return Leia to her family but as soon as that's done, I need to go back to Tatooine and protect this kid. So I just think that they they don't need to know and so I think he kind of just withholds this information and he will do what he must as, as Obi-Wan tends to do. 
Yeah, then that's something too. Roken, when he tells him that the hyperdrive is is not functional, he's kind of like he like sits down next to me. He's like, "Hey, listen, so yeah. uh, you know." Yeah. And it is one of those things where he's not going to walk in and be like, "Okay, listen, everybody, we are screwed." Yeah. Um, and I can see Obi Wan kind of doing the same thing and having the same mindset of like, "Well, I can't." I can't endanger the rest of these people. This is something that I have to deal with. It's sensitive information. It's, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, how Kenobi will choose to deal with this situation, we will no doubt see next week, which I'm very excited for uh, next week. The finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Very bittersweet to see this series so abruptly come to an end. Well, not abruptly, but just quickly come to an end. I mean, Uh, it feels like it's been quick, but, you know. know. It's been a a joyous ride and one that I continue to look forward to having discussions on next week and even the week after that, where we have some uh, exciting guests hopefully being able to uh, join us to talk about season one of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, but until then, Noah, do you want to wrap it, us, uh, wrap it up and take us home? Sure thing. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We hope you learned something today. If there's any topics or bits of news you think we should cover, you can head over to our Twitter and shoot us a message at ScumVillainPod. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah DeGeorge. And Garrett McDowell. And may the force be with you. We'll see you next time. See you guys.